Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today we've got a crazy story of keeping things under wraps when you're $150,000 over budget. But first a story from Lichpack1025, Simple Childhood Malicious Compliance. Background. Growing up, my siblings and I were allowed one can of soda on the off chance we had some. If we had two liters, it was limited to one cup. Not the measurement, just a cup that holds liquid. One day I had the bright idea to get the biggest cup we had and fill it up with soda. It was probably a quart's worth of soda. I went straight to my parents, hiding the cup, and made sure that we were only allowed one. My dad said only one, no exceptions. I showed them the cup with the biggest smart Alex smile on my face. They laughed, looked me in the eye, and said, nice. However, you know what we meant, you can't do this again. It was one of the best days I had as a child. This story actually resonates with me a lot as a kid. We had soda around in our household, and of course, my parents restricted how much I could have. But I do remember moping around and trying to find ways to sneak some or get a few extra cans here and there, maybe do an extra chore for one. Looking back on it now, it's actually kind of impressive the lengths I had to go to to get a can of soda. And back then, I think it was more often than not Sprite. If you guys had to choose one can of soda, what soda would you choose? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is from Public Pressure 4516. Sister maliciously complied, so I'll give gifts now. My sister is a piece of work. Picture the most Karen evangelist you can imagine. She's worse. A few weeks ago, she did one more horrible thing, and I finally sent a long-deserved do-not-contact email. It was an angry but very kind. I showed it to several people to make sure I had the right tone of firmness without being unkind. A few days after getting the no contact email, I received a note in the mail from two preschoolers in our family. I had recently sent a gift to these children, so sis writes a thank you note on their behalf. In the note, the children tell me how great my sister and her husband are, along with thanking me for the gift. See? It wasn't her writing the note, it was a two and three year old. Isn't she clever? Isn't she fun? So I complimented her on her kindness to send a thank you, despite the fact that she had never, in decades, ever responded to any gift I've sent to her or her children. How odd that she decided to respond on these children's behalf once she got the request for no contact. I told her that my husband and I wanted to respond with a kindness of our own, a gift subscription to Miss Magazine. I told her that all I was asking for was to be left in peace. In order to turn her disrespect into something positive, I assured her that any future attempts to contact me will be met with more kindness, donations to Planned Parenthood in her name. Honestly, I almost hope she does keep bugging me. Planned Parenthood is a great cause and a critical time for it. I definitely think when you're dealing with somebody like this who's going to just be super petty, 
victimize themselves. If you do reach out back to them, the important thing is to focus on not giving them any room to complain about something. If you're blunt and straightforward about whatever it is, then what do they really have to go and respond to you with? Besides really being petty and just either making something up or attacking just a basic truth. Our next story is from McCam574. Dear Adult Entertainment, I evaluate trainings for healthcare professionals, nothing too complex, a few questions testing knowledge gain, and a few open-ended questions. A third party hires us to do technical aspects of training and evaluations while they provide subject matter experts. My boss is one of those people who thinks they know everything. When they noticed that we were only including some open-ended question responses in the final report, they insisted all responses be provided. The evaluation team gets no say in it. None at all. Okay, medical professionals will comment on anything. A lot of those comments are contradictory. A lot are professionals saying, I have no thoughts on the subject. A lot are not relevant to the subject matter. They're removed to focus on the subject, highlight key points, and keep reports brief. Almost nobody reads them anyway. The reports quadrupled in size. Nobody had time to quality check all aspects of the report anymore. A few mistakes slipped through. Boss steps in and decides to be the last line of quality check for key clients. After a few reports, we know that they aren't actually doing it, just waiting a day and sending an I approve email, working on a report for a key client, and notice one person that took the training decided to comment on what's going on in their garden as they fill out the survey. Not sure why? The question was about applying the training in the future. Instead, I have a lengthy description of deers copulating in this person's garden. How frequently it occurs, speculation as to how many deer are involved, some details of the acts, and how annoying it is. Here's the kicker. Only one person filled out the survey, so their response will get the only one in the report. It's not getting buried. I confirm that all responses are to be included and get a terse affirmative response. I put the report together. It goes through the graphics department. First quality check. It's then sent to the project coordinator, their supervisor, my supervisor, and finally the boss for a quality check. Got sent out to the key partner. Nobody read it. Nobody checked it. Just sent it on to the next person with approval. There's now a report circulating with a paying client that's mostly attendance data, one person's improvement from their training, and an extensive description of deer copulation in their garden. Deer. Adult entertainment. I can't say it's truly malicious, as I don't think anyone of the agency has read it, because I would think it would have been mentioned by now. See, maybe this is one of those things that they do read it, and it is so out there, so bizarre, that they decide this is just one of those things that they're just not going to comment on. Like, perhaps something is just too far out there, or seems maybe too erroneous to even mention. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Every single video has awesome stories like our next story from Joe Mondo, Deathbed Malicious Compliance. Give it all to her. Okay. My grandmother was an immigrant who had to leave school at about age 12 after her own mother died. As the eldest daughter, it was her responsibility to take care of her younger siblings. Consequently, she never learned more than basic reading and math. And although she married and had kids of her own, she worked outside the home to add to household income, often doing cleaning and other low-wage work. 
Of her own children, most were reasonable people, but her youngest daughter was a complete parasite. She had no problems taking whatever she could get from her mother, my grandmother, even having her mother co-sign on debts and then leaving her to pay it off. Despite not having much education, my grandmother was a wise person in her own way, but not when it came to her own kids, and especially not her mooch daughter. She just could not stop letting her daughter misuse her. She ultimately became ill with cancer. Her kids took care of her, except for, you guessed it, the youngest parasite daughter. On her deathbed, she told her oldest daughter she was worried about the mooch, and related where she kept all her money. It wasn't much, maybe $700 or so. And then she told her oldest daughter that when she died, to give it all to the mooch. After my grandmother died, oldest daughter had to stomach giving her own mother's last dollars to her miserable vampire of a sister. But to make it more tolerable, she decided to do it by sending it in installments of $10 a month. So that's what she did for years. Just $10 a month every month. Not enough to splurge on anything, not enough to even make a difference in her life. Almost as if it were nothing. I always admired my older aunt. She knew how to hold a grudge. I'm actually quite curious how the overall system works here as far as passing down money and assets. Because it's kind of interesting to me that they clearly state they want their mooch daughter to have all the money, but yet still it somehow becomes the oldest daughter's responsibility to actually dole out that money, and that they even have the flexibility to do installments. Our next story is from Moonshine the Leo Cat, the rock star programming language designed explicitly to freak with recruiters. I take no credit for the design of the language. I've known about this for some time and just thought, heh, that's cool, till it came up again today at work where someone released a video that showed how beautiful this guy's freakery was with employers. I think a lot of people would be interested in hearing about this, as it's unlikely to be known outside of the software developer circles and people who may have subscribed to classic rock magazines. But this language is absolutely legendary in terms of just malicious practices. In short, recruiters for software firms were often looking for what they called a rockstar developer, which was slang for a can-do attitude and you wouldn't question or backtalk who you're working for, despite what they're asking for being impossible, improbable, or such an expensive endeavor that there's a better alternative. A man by the name of Dylan Beatty decided that he was going to make an esoteric programming language called Rockstar, just so recruiters could not require people to be Rockstar developers. The idea of the language is, if you can't sing it, you can't have it. So want an example of what this program looks like? He put an example of Fizzbuzz up. So Fizzbuzz is a division game. If a number is divisible by 3, replace it with Fizz. If a number is divisible, you replace it with 5. If the number is divisible by both, Fizzbuzz. In C, the input looks like a proper programming language with proper if statements and math, and the output often looks like a combination of numbers, fizz, buzz, and fizzbuzz. However, in Rockstar, it looks like this. Midnight takes your heart and your soul, while your heart is as high as your soul. Put your heart without your soul into your heart. Give back your heart. Desire is a love-struck lady killer. My world is nothing. Fire is ice. Hate is water. Until my world is desire. Build my world up. 
If midnight taking my world, fire is nothing, and midnight taking my world, hate is nothing, shout, fizz buzz, take it to the top. If midnight taking my world, fire is nothing, shout, fizz, take it to the top. If midnight taking my world, hate is nothing, say, buzz, take it to the top, whisper my world. So to break it down here, the beautiful thing that Dylan Beatty did here is for a language like C where you have an if statement where it's like if I percentage 15 equals equals zero, that's part of a greater function, instead of putting if in 15 percentage and equal equal in rockstar language, you just put desire is a love struck lady killer and that does more or less the same thing. It's essentially the exact same thing but you're speaking another language. It's basically like in English if I say add 15 and 15, and then in a different language you say suma quince quince, which is the same thing in Spanish. Except this is just nothing but ambiguous rock star song lyrics. But it works. And our final story of the day is from Monkey Paw Wishes. Don't let the VP know we're over budget. This is a bit long, but several years ago, I worked in the purchasing department of a large semiconductor company in the US. Mostly I handled all the non-production purchases and contracts like office equipment, building management, travel contracts, that sort of stuff. But my biggest role was negotiating and approving temp staffing contracts for our US factories. One day a director, we'll call him Bill, sends me a request for $150,000 for temp workers at a small facility in the middle of nowhere Florida. The news was that a couple of local businesses had closed and he had this great idea to save the company money by moving some production down there and snatching up those now desperate workers on the cheap. It seemed like a bit of a dumb idea at the time, but it was clearly his pet project, and $150,000 was within his right to spend without additional approval, so I rubber stamped it and off he went. I hadn't had much interaction with Bill, but he was a pompous jerk, so I was glad to get rid of him. Now it's important to the story to understand that our company's finance were super tightly controlled. Not a bad thing, but if you wanted to spend a dollar over your role's limit, you better have your supervisor's signature in triplicate. Directors like Bill could spend up to $250,000, VPs $500,000, and anything over $500,000 had to go all the way up to our CEO for approval. About three months later, the trouble starts when Bill suddenly turns back up asking for more money. Turns out rural Florida doesn't have a lot of people with the skills to work in an industrial clean room, and the people who do don't come cheap. The money that was supposed to last a year is already gone, but Bill's certain that he just needs a little more time and asks me to approve another $250,000 without telling our VP, his boss. I straight up refuse since it's my literal job to stop this, but Bill? Being God's gift to the company throws an absolute fit. It got ugly and long story short, my boss directly ordered me to approve Bill's money without escalating it. I got this all in writing since it was sketchy as heck and absolutely something I could get fired for. Finally, Bill's gone and I don't have to see his smug short balding head anymore. Or so I thought, having disrespected the great and powerful Bill, I was now the target of his displeasure. 
For the next four months, I get at least three emails or phone calls a day from him or his secretary about something they don't like about the building, the landscaping, the guy who brings the bottled water, the snack selection in the machine, the equipment in the sea level gym, on and on. I'm getting openly berated for things that have nothing to do with me, but I'm stuck having to deal with them because my boss keeps caving to Bill's whims. And none of my paperwork is getting past his office either. I managed the purchasing for 12 facilities in the US and Europe. But if it needs his signature, I've got to personally bring it to him and stand there while he reviews it or he's refusing to sign. It was somewhere between humiliating and infuriating and I increasingly wished he'd fall down a staircase. After months of this, finally my chance for malicious compliance arrived. Shockingly, Bill hasn't managed to turn his pet project around, and what do you know? Just needs a quarter million to get him through the year. I sign off, add the money to the purchase order, which now totals a cool $650,000, and shoot off an email to both him and my boss to remind them that this won't be shown to the VP. Then I print everything out, including the direct order not to show it to the VP, and march over to the CEO's office for him to sign. After all, it was now over the $500,000 required limit, and Bill never asked him not to see it. All heck broke loose when they realized Bill's little project was half a million dollars over budget. He didn't lose his job, but he refused to speak to me after that, which was exactly what I wanted. The Florida project was scrapped and was retasked to making basic electrical components. My boss was initially pissed, but once he realized my insistence on getting Bill's order in writing had probably saved both of our butts, the whole thing went away. I was there for another year, and thankfully Bill never made an appearance at my office ever again. Obviously the things OP did here absolutely saved them in the end in this situation, but I gotta say it's kind of disappointing that the boss got away with it, considering they were playing a big role in making sure all these big purchases got authorized. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to see another malicious compliance story that was even more insane than the ones in this video, click on that left video, or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time for some more stories.